Welcome to Live Well, Be Well with your host, Sarah Ann Macklin. If I can just ask one thing to my new or old listeners, please hit the subscribe button and also share this podcast with friends. It means more than you realize. For so many years, I've spoken about nutrition. I've started the mental health organization, the Be Well Collective. I started the podcast to bring you all expert conversations of the moment but I'd never even told you about mine. And there's something about a podcast host that unless you can be vulnerable yourself and open up, the people across for you won't open up as much either. And so there's a rapport with this season because I was completely honest and vulnerable and open. As we come to the end of a very exciting season eight, I wanted to personally share all the learnings I've learned in the past 12 episodes. I feel incredibly honoured as the host of this podcast to sit down and have inspiring, emotional conversations with such a diverse range of people. And I've learned so much after eight seasons, but even more especially over these last 12 episodes, because this season we took a real dry focus by increasing our production and going to every single guest's house all over the country. And through that, being in their homes, connecting to them more personally, not only do I remember more of these conversations, but I really felt the sense that they opened up to me more as well. So I feel really privileged and honored. And for that reason, I wanted to end the series with a solo episode on all the things that I've learned personally. Because we've spoke to people from Professor David Nutt, who looks at psychedelics and how we can actually wire our brain to how the epicenter of our health is our gut health and how through entrepreneurial women such as Liz Earle, she taught me how we can actually engineer our own serendipity. So all of my findings and learnings, I'm gonna try and bring to you in a concise package in today's episode to end the series of season eight. So I really hope you enjoy. If there's anything that you learnt personally, please do write to me, please do let me know. I love always hearing from everyone who listens to this podcast and all your learnings mean a huge amount to hear from. So please do drop me an email or send me a DM. So here's the honest truth. The first episode in this series was a personal episode. Now, I didn't know if I was recording this until about three days before. <laughs> and it's not until I spoke to my team that they encouraged me to definitely go ahead with this, to do it in person and to do it with a crew in front of me. That was terrifying because I'd never spoke about my personal story before. And what it made me realise, something that I really gained personally from this episode, was that there's never a perfect moment. So when I knew I was going to be filming this in a couple of days, and bearing in mind, the day I filmed this, I just recovered from COVID. So anyone that suffered with COVID will probably reference the same that I did. I had horrific brain fog. And so trying to think clearly and concisely about what I was going to say, I found really difficult. But what I realised is that you should never wait for that perfect moment. For so many years, I've spoken about nutrition. You know, I've started the mental health organization, the BY Collective. 
I started the podcast to bring you all expert conversations of the moment, but I'd never even told you about mine. And there's something about a podcast host that unless you can be vulnerable yourself and open up, the people across for you won't open up as much either. And so there's a rapport with this season that because I was completely honest and vulnerable and open, even though it didn't feel like the right time, because in my mindset, I wasn't prepared. It actually allowed me to dig deeper with my guests in this season because I could respond openly and honestly with my personal connections to what they were saying. So I guess something that I really learned is, and especially trying to always think that there's a perfectionist side to me of wanting to do things correctly, is just never wait for that perfect moment because it might never come. And if I hadn't done this solo episode that was really authentic and really vulnerable and really terrifying, I probably wouldn't have had as rich conversations in this season because it allowed that extra layer of me to open into these conversations. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is vulnerability became my superpower through when I actually thought that that was holding me back. So for anyone listening to this, it's to take a leap, jump out that pane and just hope the parachute opens. Because for me, it did in this season. Maybe don't quite literally jump out of a plane without a parachute, but I think you understand what I mean. <laughs> so my second episode was with Lizelle. She built one of the biggest independent beauty brands in the UK. And at that time, really pioneered the ethical side of it as well. She wanted to bring organic produce in. And alongside the body shop, nobody else was doing this. Now, I grew up with my mum always using Lizelle, with her being a real household name. But I never really knew her story. And it was from speaking to Liz that I was so inspired by her entrepreneurship that she brought as a female founder. I had no idea that she started off working in Moulton Brown as an assistant. And she didn't have a clear direction of what she wanted to do. She was interested in fashion. And then from working in Moulton Brown, she started to get a real innate interest in the beauty industry. And this is where I found something quite interesting is that if you're not positioning yourself for an opportunity, you will never be prepared for when the right opportunity comes. And in the way she engineered her own serendipity by calling up magazines and asking for any openings that are incoming, she was positioning herself in the correct field. Little did she know that she was then going to go on to become one of the most successful beauty brand entrepreneurs we've ever seen. But through positioning herself, through these opportunities, making phone calls to magazines, positioning herself when opportunities arose in this sector, she was prepared to put in the hard graft that came along with it. It's this really interesting concept that when opportunities come along, they can easily pass us by. And listening to Lizelle's story, she never was prepared to let that happen. She wanted to be prepared and engineer these opportunities. So she was the first in line to get them. And it was really inspiring to hear because especially when you hear people who have been as ultra successful as Lizelle, it can feel quite out of grasp to even try to compute what that success feels like. But hearing her story, hearing her positioning, hearing how she was open to opportunities, engineering serendipity when she could, and yes, luck can play a part in so many of those tangible lines, 
she would be making the first move within all of these opportunities and grasp to try to get to where she wanted to be. And that I found really, really inspiring. So my third episode was with Thomas How Can You? And he is somebody who came across my field because he was really interested in the BWAC Collective and he's really interested in the mental health side. Now, many men I know were quite inspired by this conversation, especially avid football fans. I have to say, for me, my knowledge around football is not as extensive as many may hope. And I got to know Thomas Alcanu on a very different level. But hearing his journey, he was so interested in health, especially turmeric. And I think when you become so invested in something, there's a personal story behind it. And similar to me, as you know, telling you my story, the reason why so much of my career has been dedicated to nutrition and mental health is because of my own personal journey. So hearing Hal's personal journey was really interesting. Even though he was signed for success at such a young age to Arsenal, his injury is really what closed the door to him becoming a success at 16 because he was injured for two years. Now, every physio, every surgeon, everyone around him told him that he would never play to the standard that was needed for a premiership team like Arsenal. Also, he'd never play football again without being in severe pain. As a 16-year-old kid, that's quite terrifying to hear, especially when so much of your life until that date has been dedicated to sport and trying to achieve your dream. But what he did is his passion took over. And it's one of those areas where we can look at life and be a victim. But something that I found really inspiring is that he didn't. He actually went away with an optimistic head on him and he looked into the future and he said, I will play. I will play at a premiership standard and I will do this. Little did he know that it was going to take two years of physiotherapy and completely changing his structure on nutrition and his outlook. He spent days and days with his father researching journals in the British Library about food and nutrition and trying to find alternative routes that weren't in grasp to get him back onto that pitch that he was playing. Now, hearing that story and even relating it to my own journey of me trying to find foods to make me feel better because I wasn't feeling well, it's a very hard approach for one's mindset to do that because you feel like you're going against everyone else's opinion or you're being judged or you're being looked at. And it's a very interesting resilience mindset that you have to have to want to go forward in that way when your career is relying on it. What came to fruition was not just this amazing journey that he went on and how he did heal himself, essentially. It does sound like a miracle story by many as as I'm talking about this. And it's one that I think if you haven't listened to this episode, you'll find very inspiring of how he did get back on that pitch ended up scoring one of the most famous goals for Wales and did it without any pain, using resilience, using his own learnings and his own optimism of his mind to get him there, that he was allowed to actually have a successful career in football. Even though he reached the success of what he wanted from a young kid, then he wanted to bring this knowledge to the public. And it was really inspiring to hear him hear about the powers, his transformational journey that he had with nutrition, with turmeric, that is very inspiring for one to hear because as a nutritionist especially, 
you do know the powers behind food. But hearing inspirational conversations of someone's own life-changing journey into that really does just allow us to think more deeply about the foods that we are consuming and also around the poor mass marketing of health products that are put on our shelves to make us feel better. But from what Thomas has shown us in this interview is that most of them don't actually advocate what they are selling. A lot of them aren't actually optimising our health, are full of processed additives, chemicals, caffeine, bulking agents. DJ Fat Tony's episode really opened my eyes to a whole new DJ Fat Tony. Now, some of you might be listening to this or have been scrolling through the podcast and not even knowing who DJ Fat Tony is. For me, I knew DJ Fat Tony as somebody who made me laugh on Instagram, somebody who wasn't afraid to say what they felt, what they thought, didn't really have a filter and wanted to make people laugh. And that was my reference to DJ Fat Tony, really. He was very LGBTQ focused. He spoke about his relationships and he was a really funny person. And then I sat down to read his book before the interview. And by the end of the first chapter, I couldn't grasp how difficult his first stages to life were and where this book was going to go. He had so much trauma as a child that I couldn't quite figure out where the story was going to go. And by the end, to me, DJ Fat Tony was the cat with nine lives. He was always getting, for what seemed, another chance at life because for so many times that would seem the end for many others. But there was something about sitting with him in his home in Pimlico, which is just around the corner from where he grew up as a child, which is very surreal when he's telling me these moments of him as a child and we are two streets away from where this happened. And I've never had to, in an interview before, reference so many traumatic moments in someone's life. You feel that people suffer with an addiction or suffer with abuse or suffer with a breakdown or burnout or all these different categories. But DJ Fat Tony seemed to suffer with it all in one go. The extent to where he had no teeth left in his mouth apart from one stump was the moment that I never thought I would actually say those words to a guest on my podcast. And how still when he was talking to me, he had this uplifting spirit and energy. Although there are moments in that interview where he cried, I cried, it was emotional. Moments that I wasn't even sure how to compute and react to what he was saying because they were so intense, because they were so traumatic for him, because they were still raw for him he still always managed to bring a sense of humour into it. Not many people can stand where he's standing today through everything he's been through. And that made me realise that it is never too late. We always have these moments when we think we can't go back because we've done something too wrong or we've made the wrong decision or there's so many smaller moments, even myself, that I think, oh, it's too late to do that now. It's too late to apologise to this person. It's too late to bring this situation back up. It's too late to make this decision in my life. And hearing Fat Tony's life where 
actually it's never too late. He was on death's door with no teeth, with no money, spent a million pounds on drugs, had traumatized himself to such an extent that he was in a coma with AIDS. But he now is standing here today as an author, as somebody who is known on Instagram for making people laugh. He's such an awe-inspiring person that what that episode made me realize is that actually your health is your wealth. And if you don't have your health, you essentially have nothing. So Professor Tim Spector was my next one. Now I have to say there was a week, I think, when we did recordings four times in a week and we were <laughs> all over the UK and Tim was one of these. And he is someone who I have always looked up to. I remember when I was studying and I was always so inspired by Tim's work. And when he first came to speak at my BWR Summit, I think about four years ago, he was the first time I was ever starstruck by someone. And from being around many celebrities throughout my whole life, that is quite ironic that Tim Spector to me was the epitome of who I was starstruck by because his level of research and knowledge I find so inspiring. So to be able to sit there and interview Tim again was a real honor. And the reason why is because being a nutritionist, nutrition is forever developing. Even what I learned 10 years ago has dramatically changed to today. And Tim is not afraid to admit that. Tim is not afraid to say that 20 years ago he wrote papers that are fundamentally wrong. And he speaks really openly about that. And for that, I really respect him. He was the person who brought out the COVID app six months before the NHS did. And hearing his execution on wanting to really make a change to people's lives is really inspiring. And it's another reason why I am so inspired by his work. What he did is he took all the statistics from people that signed up to the COVID health study and he started using them to personalize people's nutrition. And something that Tim has been famous for for many years now is gut health. And he's delved into gut health from looking at tw identical twins throughout the UK and realizing that even if you're identical, your gut microbe in identical twins is uniquely different. It's unique to you. And when we think about twins, identical twins especially, we do think that every part of them is essentially identical. But Tim's research from over 10 years ago has thrown that theory out of the water. And now he's using all of this new data from the COVID health study to help us personalize our nutrition even more and that it really starts within our gut. And I've always been interested in the gut because it connects so heavily to our mental health. But Tim goes a step further. He goes a step further into really understanding what it is about our gut microbes and how we can diversify them to really impact our health long-term. So when I actually asked him about his main top tips for gut health, he said to try and have fermented foods every day. And the reason why is because they're a prebiotic. And it's very different to a probiotic, which is normally a supplement that we take, or we see it in dairy and yogurts, which is live bacteria. But now a lot of the research is showing things in prebiotic foods. And these are basically fertilizer for our gut. They help our microbes thrive. They're not live bacteria like a probiotic, but they're basically food for the gut microbes that are already living in our gut. And if we can feed them with the diversity, they can flourish and help nourish our gut even further. And so his four fermented foods were kombucha, which is the drink, it was sauerkraut, it was kimchi, and it was also kefir. 
So his main starting point was have fermented foods in your daily diet. He also talked about having a diverse range of 30 different plant-based foods a week. But it's not just adding in your top five, it's adding in a diverse range. And within these 30 plant-based foods includes herbs, includes spices, includes pulses like your beans and your legumes. So all of these things add up, but we need to make sure we're having a diverse range of them to really emphasize the superpowers that our gut has. Another really interesting point is that we spoke a lot about polyphenols. And within polyphenols, these are fruit and vegetables mainly that are very vibrant in color. And when we were understanding more about polyphenols and the benefits to our health, Tim referenced coffee, which has a very high polyphenol content. And something that I learned personally as a nutritionist was that coffee has more fiber in than orange juice. And we always like to demonize certain types of foods like red wine because they've got ethanol in, which is alcohol, or coffee because they've got caffeine in, which when we take too much can make some people feel quite shaky. But we kind of forget all these other compounds. And it was a really interesting reminder to me to actually think, well, yes, that's one chemical, but there's thousands of chemicals and compounds within coffee that are also really beneficial for us. It was allowing me to reframe my mind of this reductionist view that so many of us have towards food. And actually we need to stop being so reductionist towards the food that we're consuming because within that food, we've always been looking at 30 different types of chemicals, but most foods have over 20,000 different types of chemicals in. And so actually there is so much more to that food that we're consuming and many other additional health benefits such as coffee that yes, it has caffeine in, but it also has a really high proportion of fiber, which we know from Tim's conversation is one of the main key attributes to a key healthy gut. I've just had to take a quick break because my brain today does not want to function. And after an injection of nutrients and some coffee, it feels like the perfect time to actually bring back the conversation to Professor David Nutt. Now, he was somebody who I was very excited to interview. I haven't heard that many interviews from Professor David Nutt on podcasts, especially recently, my interest in psychedelics has grown just from the amount of treatment programs that are being executed around mental health, depression, and he's doing one of the first studies into anorexia nervosa. And it was one of those interviews where I always like to be very heavily researched before every interview. It's something that's very important for me that I go in and I know a lot about my subject that I'm about to speak to. But for somebody like Professor David Nutt, that is quite hard to execute, especially when his area of research is neuropharmacology. And that's obviously not my area of research, unlike somebody like Tim Spector, where I can understand the basics of gut health quite well, because that's my area. So I do remember driving to this interview, and I had a million questions. I had his audiobook on, I think it was like times three speed, where I was trying to infiltrate as much information I could into my brain so I was prepared for this interview. The topics that we covered were everything. We basically went through his life's research, which was inspiring to hear, but allowing your mindset to openly speak about drugs with a scientist is a really interesting one. And especially coming from the fashion industry where drugs are obviously in abundance, you know, it's part of this hedonistic lifestyle that most people reference the fashion industry. 
to actually sit down and speak to a scientist about it who has dedicated their life's research to it was really, really interesting. And it really changed my perception on drugs because we can heavily stigmatise drugs in a way where we can think about cannabis, for example, as really poor for our mental health. And that's what I've always referenced cannabis as. It can cause psychosis. It can make us feel schizophrenic for many people. But actually, I'm speaking to Professor David Nart, he really, really changed my mindset. And bringing it back to my, my conversation or my story where I said I was much more open to my guests, you know, I ended up telling him about my story and he actually asked me if I should go on the cannabis trial to see if it will help my tummy problems. So it made me come to this realization that actually what we don't know can harm us. And hearing David speak about, about this from a scientist's point of view really made me change my mindset. Why should we look at drugs as a black market touch point? Because that's essentially how we view them in today's society. And he told me about a story with Theresa May where she actually brought in a drugs law act to ban the use of any psychoactive substances, which has made them harder to use in scientific labs. They're actually harder to use than explosives. And that's something that's really stayed with me since that conversation. That through my interaction with Professor David on all of these revelations that he's come to over the years have been completely shadow banned because society doesn't agree with it, because we're so heavily stigmatised towards how we think we know drugs. And the fact that he was fired in the government in 2009 and has been fighting ever since really did make me readdress my mindset towards it. Professor David Nutt spoke so profoundly about how psychedelics in particular can really help with depression. Now, running a mental health organisation and hearing many stories of people's battling depression in clinic, it really made me reassess that so many of these people's destructive thoughts could be helped by introducing these as a treatment. They might not, but they could transform people's lives. But sadly, these still aren't on offer. And so many people suffer than ever before with depression. And psychedelics could be the answer to so many people's prayers around this area. We spoke a lot about SSRIs, and that is one treatment of antidepressants that some people can take to help potentially alleviate their depressive symptoms. David's run a trial with SSRI drugs combined with psychedelics to see if this has a more powerful effect on people who suffer with depression. And he found such positive results yet we still feel so far from being able to use this as a treatment option. So I think this conversation left me feeling that my mind had been closed to so many of these conversations. Yes, I might have had it among my peers, but sitting down with somebody like Professor David Nutt made me realise that we're still heavily scrutinising areas of drug treatment because of our view of them before. And I think something like that fundamentally is actually one of the most harmful things we are doing to our health. So following David, it was actually, this was the busy week when we had three back-to-back recordings. We came back from Bristol with David and the next day we went straight to Surrey to record Kimberly Wyatt. Now, many of you might know her from Dancing on Ice. Many of you may have grown up listening to her like I did in the Pussycat Dolls. And I got to know Kimberly through a dear friend of mine, Max Rogers, who is her husband, who is also a model. And 
I've got to know a different side of Kimberly that really came out in this podcast, actually. And it was one that I was really excited to speak to her about on camera and on mic, because I think many people have a preconception of maybe who she is, maybe her success, but she's had to work incredibly hard to get that success. And it actually reminds me of a famous quote, which is, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And I think the whole essence of this episode for me was meant to be around resilience. But after her story, it wasn't resilience that stood out. For me, it was that for a woman, it's a bloody tough ride. And we were meant to do it with a smile on our faces. We're meant to not complain. And actually, something that really surprised me is that this feels like a really hard truth and it feels quite opposite of what live well, be well means, but it felt that most people really don't actually care about you. And I say that because so much about Kim's journey was a lot of struggle, a lot of hard work, a lot of self-belief. And she was always trying to compete to feel pretty enough, good enough, clever enough, the best dancer in the room. It was a dog-eat-dog world. It wasn't this glamorized image that probably many of us saw on the TV screens. And it felt to me that through that, she still had so many positive things to say about her experience. But hearing it felt quite exhausting. It felt that there was a constant daily battle to convince people that she was worthy of success. And I think that's quite hard to sometimes stomach. And it's hard to keep going and performing your best all the time when you can come up against quite a lot of adversity. And I think the thing that I really took away is that life can be really hard, even when you're at the top of your success. So much that she lost her name, her identity, she lost everything because she wanted that success of being in the Pacific Dolls so badly that she was literally willing to give up everything. And that is tough. That is hard. And that was her sacrifice. But she still did it with a smile on her face. And for me, that says so much more than resilience. And it showed so much more than innate talent. For me, it showed how much your hard work does pay off when you dedicate your life to something, because that's essentially what Kim did. So my next guest was Dan Marie Serta. Now, I invited Dan to my home to record this. So if you're watching this in the vlog, you may recognize the background behind me, the famous glass courtyard where I normally used to film my podcasts on Zoom. And Dan Marie Serta has had a really interesting life. He is a really successful entrepreneur, has a fantastic podcast. And when you think about entrepreneur, you think of someone who's constantly pushing themselves to achieve success. But what Dan Murray really, really taught me is that life is about moderation and it's not about sacrifice. And the reason why is because Dan suffered with such extreme burnout. I'm not sure I've spoke to somebody who hasn't been able to get out of bed for two weeks from pure exhaustion that hasn't suffered with a chronic medical condition such as Emmy. And the fact that he couldn't physically move his body, he couldn't open an email, he was just so physically and mentally drained. It got to the point that he just couldn't leave bed. 
And before this had happened, before he got to the extremes of burnout, so many other areas of his life were showing that he was suffering. He suffered with insomnia for six months. He didn't sleep through the night for six months. It was a really chronic condition for him. And it wasn't until it got to the phase where he couldn't move that he had a big dive deep into himself to realise what was going on. And it's these moments where I could listen to him and there's parts of me that I could reference in myself was that we are always trying to push ourselves to that next stage, to that next level. And actually, if we do, we will fail. Because ultimately, for Dan, his failure was that he overstretched himself so much that he took five steps back. And we talk about this a lot of nutrition, around moderation, around balance. It's a very boring term for many people wanting to know the new pioneering area of research. But it really brings it back to the simplicity that living well is really about moderation. It's really about balance. And actually, if you start sacrificing areas of your life, you start trying to reduce certain food groups because you think it's going to optimise your health, or you skip that lunch break, or you stop exercising, you are just pushing your compass more and more off kilter to the point where it will stop. But I think we can forget that we are human and we need to take a break. And even recording this episode, being completely honest with you, I'm having to take breaks because I'm having a day where I know this week that I have pushed myself too much. I've done too much in my week. And it's moments like this when I realise I haven't taken breaks. And actually my most creative moments come from not sitting at a desk, from not trying to maximise my day full of so many things that I don't have a break. It's actually going on a walk. It's actually taking that 10 minute respite where I allow my brain to rest. And that's something that Dan is very passionate about and comes through very clearly. Now with his company, which is a supplement company, which helps optimize brain functioning through his own learnings. And so I think the really boring tagline and the really cliche is everything in moderation, but actually listening to the extremes of Dan's life where he was throwing up for five years, having an immediate reaction after food, So much so that he burnt a hole through his esophagus and his whole brain swelled to not being able to sleep for six months, to battling depression, to battling anxiety and to the point where he couldn't get out of bed for two weeks because the burnout was so extreme. If life was actually a little bit more balanced, would Dan have ever got to those moments? Probably not. But I think it was a really important check-in for me, especially during the series, but also maybe for a lot of the listeners to kind of start weighing up their sacrifices. And there will always be moments in our life where we have to work that bit harder, have to work that bit later. Maybe we have a family, maybe we have too many commitments that actually there will be moments in our life we have to sacrifice. But how long do those sacrifices last, I think is a really important question. And so it's just taking that moment. And that episode did give me a moment to check in through the season and actually reflect on how much balance really do I have in my life currently? And it's always a good one. I think we should always self-reflect. So Rankin has been a really dear friend of mine since I was 16. Well, I say dear friend, actually, that's a lie. No, I've known Rankin since I was 16. Let's put it that way. He's become a dear friend over the years. 
But in the beginning, he was a professional relationship where I really looked up to him. I studied photography before I became a model. So he was somebody who I was quite inspired by. And he was a global sensation and he was royalty in the fashion world. But over the years that I've known Rankin, I've never actually sat down to talk to him about his life. And it was interesting because this episode started with him saying, how long have we known each other, Sarah? And realizing we'd known each other for just shy of 20 years. For me, the fact that I, so much about Rankin's life that I didn't know was quite eye-opening because it realized that so many people can have an outward persona. We all have an outward persona. And Rankin definitely shows that. He's confident, he's talented, he's true to his work, he has pioneered his industry. But I saw a whole different side to Rankin in this interview. And I left feeling like I'd connected to him so much deeper. Sitting down with Rankin and thinking that we were gonna speak about therapy for half an hour was not the angle that I thought this conversation was gonna to go to. However, it's where we ended up. And it was wonderful to hear that Rankin believes everyone should have therapy because I solely agree with him. We all should be having an outlet, not because we've got problems with our mental health, but because we all need to offload. Should we be offloading to our partners? Should we be offloading to our friends? Yes, some of the time, but no, we shouldn't all the time. They shouldn't always be on an emotional crutch. That's something that Rankin was really passionate about. And hearing that Rankin can have 15 different sides to him in every single session was also really eye-opening because actually we all have those 15 different sides, but we only really showed two or three of them. And so it was a really reflective conversation from having somebody who I would call a friend, somebody who has been a bit of a mentor with helping me with the BY Collective Foundation, and then sitting down and having a completely different conversation where I hadn't expected it to go. So it left me thinking about how we position people into boxes through their success, how we can look up to certain people, but we forget the humanized element to people as well at the same time. And I guess this was a really raw episode. We talked about his parents' death. We talked about Rankin running away from his parents' death for five years and then having to face his issues around his relationships and around his own lack of self-confidence in the beginning. And so many times I think we forget about imposter syndrome when people are successful. This episode really is actually brought back to humanization, how we all are human and how we're all affected by our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, and no matter what we are displaying to the public or to people around us, actually these conversations are really important. And it made me want to think, I should have had this conversation with Rankin before now. I should have had this before a podcast. How much more inspiring would it have been to sit down with him in a conversation after a shoot and maybe have this conversation? He might not have been open to it. These deeper connections that we make are so fundamentally important. And I think that's something that I left resonating with. Although I've known this person for so long, this was the first time we touched to that depth. So Emmy Brunner was a really interesting one. She is a psychotherapist and this episode started to talk about trauma, but we ended up talking about finding your true voice. And I think that's a really powerful word, actually, is finding your true voice. It's a really powerful phrase, let me say, not a word. The one thing that I really took 
I say one thing, there are so many things I took from this conversation. One is that she kept analysing me through the whole entire episode, <laughs> which was really interesting because that's normally me in a conversation analysing someone. I ask every single guest at the end of every episode what Live Well Be Well means to them. And her one really struck me. Her one was just to surrender, just to go with it, just to surrender and, and just let go. That was literally her words. And I remember as she said that, and even me saying that now, there's a sen sense of power that comes over me. There's some sense of relief that comes over me, the surrendering moment. And there's something about when we are in these moments of worry or moments of stress and moments of analysis of ourselves, actually this word surrender can feel so incredibly powerful. And there is something from all of the conversations that we had, which were incredibly powerful about trauma and about finding authenticity within you, which I think many of us can struggle with. We think we know the real us, but actually do we? Have we become friends with our own mind? Do we accept ourselves fully? There's something about the word surrender, which I find incredibly powerful. And it's something that I've really taken with me since then. I've actually taken that into consultations with my clients. I've taken that into conversations with myself. And we should just let go of moments and fully surrender to them. Dr. Sarah Berry was one of the last recordings I did for this season. And she is a researcher of nutritional sciences at King's College London. She is also works hand in hand with Tim Spector and she is the lead nutritional researcher on the new Zoe project that Tim has launched around personalizing our gut health and also our nutrition. Sarah Berry has a wealth of research, but she also makes it so digestible and attainable. And this is what I loved about the conversation with her. Although she really does know her research and a thing or two about what you need to eat, she's also very different to Tim where she doesn't live by it day to day. She understands the convenience factors that come. She understands the importance of being a mum and having a job. And she doesn't always practice what she preaches, which I found really interesting from Sarah. However, her research in this area is phenomenal and it nearly broke TikTok. When I posted this video on TikTok, it went viral. Within 24 hours, it had over 200,000 interactions, which I quite simply couldn't believe. The interaction with Dr. Sarah Berry's episode was so impactful that it made me realize the power of the conversation surrounding nutrition. The video that went viral broke down the food matrix. And this is something that when I spoke to Sarah Berry about what I wanted to talk to her about, she told me she'd been researching this area for nearly 20 years, but it's something that she'd never spoken about. It was an area that nobody had ever discussed with her on a podcast or actually outside of her lab. But it was an area that really, really interested me. So the food matrix is basically the cell wall of the food. Now, if you remember me speaking about what I learned from Tim Spector's episode, so much of what we consume today is ultra-processed food. Now, in ultra-processed food, the cell wall has all been broken because the food has been processed. It's been moved from its original composition and it's been transformed into something else from manufacturing. With whole foods, this is very different. However, even in foods that aren't ultra-processed, when they are changed from their original form, and this is the video that went viral, take an almond, for example. A whole almond, in its whole form, has a completely different composition to an almond which is grounded, 
we might use that traditionally for baking. So ground almonds we might put into cakes and into desserts. The cell matrix, or let me say the food matrix, has been completely destroyed there. So again, the bioavailability of the nutrients that we absorb is completely different. And this gives us a whole different concept and analysis of food. So many times you'll hear from Tim Spector's video, or maybe from me in conversation, cite quite heavily how we are also individual and unique. But what I took away from this episode is that our food is as complex and as unique as us. Sometimes we reference, actually not sometimes, we do reference on the back of pack labelling, all in nutritional studies, the 30 different compositions of food. But there are actually 20,000 different compositions within one food. And it made me realise that there's this really reductionist idea that we all have. Even when we're looking at the 30 different compounds within that one food, that's still reductionist because there's actually 20,000. So the food that we consume is as unique and as complex as us. And all of these different areas combined make our diet and our lifestyle even more fascinating to an approach, but also more confusing. If we can try to consume our diet around more whole foods and less ultra processed, we're already one step closer to optimizing our health. So to wrap up the season, apart from this one, of course, I spoke to Dr. Federica Amati, and she has really helped pioneered nutrition field with Tim Spector and Sarah Berry. And I think there was a lot that came from this episode where we explored what food deserts look like, such as so many high streets now are full of takeaway shops and really unhealthy food choices, but there's not one green grocer on them. There's not one area where we can actually have a healthy choice made. So what really stuck out to me in this episode, and it's one that I want to leave this episode on, and we're going to allow Dr. Federica Amati to say it for herself, is what Live Well, Be Well meant to her. I think Live Well, Be Well, for me, is a long-term investment. I think that there is no investment with more secure returns of investment than the investment in your own health. So if you want to live well and be well, consider every choice you make, every time you take that 10 minute walk after lunch and break your day up, every time you choose to add a new plant to your plate, every time you, you know, reduce like an ultra processed food from your shopping cart, it is a direct investment in your future health. And there's no quick fix like being well is a long-term relationship with yourself. And so I'd say, yeah, that's, that's what live well, be well means to me. So as we come to the end of season eight, it has been a phenomenal and memorable season. One that has taken live well, be well to the next level. And I'm so glad with the listeners that have stayed with me, with the new listeners that have joined in this series. It means so much to share this episode to other people, to watch the vlog, to interact with us because... Essentially, we want to bring you the most diverse and interesting conversations. We are taking a break for the whole of August. We will be back with season nine in October. So in the meantime, there might be a few surprises that come your way. There might not be a full season, but do keep subscribing to Live Well, Be Well, because there might be some interesting episodes that pop up in between those times. And until next season, 
There are so many more to look back on. I hope you all live well and I hope you all be well. And I cannot wait to bring the next season to your ears and your eyes. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Live Well, Be Well. All the information covered in today's podcast with important links is in today's show notes. And if you haven't yet, please do hit the subscribe button and do share this with friends, family, co-workers, whoever you love, please share this podcast. It means more than you realize. And until next week, I hope you all live well and be well. If you love this podcast, I would really urge you to support us on Patreon. Our Patreon community really do help keep this podcast going. And alongside being within the community, you can also get exclusive access to early release podcasts and specific Q&As with me on topics that you want to hear. Being a Patreon member of this podcast does really help keep the support going because it's not easy to deliver this every week without you guys. So thank you so much. And if you haven't yet subscribed, please go to patreon forward slash livewellbewell to become a member and support this podcast.